blistering starts to a tennis match. The Shakespeare got it wrong. It wasn't King Lear. It's King Lear. LeBron James with no record for human. LeBron Singh finishes things off on style. This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket, say hello. Hello, world. Aniket, this is round ten of NL Playoffs. We are officially in the double digits, so I guess that gives us some kind of authenticity. I guess I, I'm not so sure, but we do have. We are in the number of episodes as uh, Anil Kumble had uh, wickets on that Delhi Test in that one inning. So ten for seventy-four, I believe. So double digits, man. Feeling good. I was going to be nonchalant and say who's counting anyways but oh, I am <laughs> uh, trust me I'm counting it's kind of still surreal to me that we are at double digits trust me for sure I am in India by the way Aniket uh, we we discussed this offline I've came to India what after 4 years I think so it's been quite a busy time and I've hardly had any time catching up to any of the sporting action I should probably be upfront in saying that but you know I've been it's hard to miss sports i guess i've not been able to watch a lot of games but i've been keeping up and keeping track but i know you have been probably watching sports more than me so i will leave it to you to take the lead on the headlines and then we can take it from there no pressure huh yeah so. no not really <laughs> yeah no i'm glad you're uh, back in india i i am going to be there soon so i'm not envious of you yet but no i'm glad you're back with the family after four long years it's been you said gotham yeah being here in december in the winter season it's awesome in india in winter is great especially when you're living in chicago area in america it's just nuts there right now for sure so with that being said uh, let's go through our favorite sport india's favorite sport cricket let's start with that so I'm sure you've seen the India New Zealand first test which actually ended in a draw and there's also the IPL retention list that's outside so by the way I watched the India New Zealand uh, the first test I did not watch it uh, thoroughly but I did catch uh, bits and pieces of it uh, I did watch the uh, significant chunk of the final day's play so Uh, just to recap it ended in a draw as you said aniket uh, but it ended in a thrilling draw because it had everything to do with uh, what uh, final days test cricket brings so it had uh, wickets falling all over the place pitch being uh, you know nasty ball was not bouncing the spin the spin was there uh, the light was fading winter winter in india you know how light fades pretty quickly they're playing in green park in kanpur so it had everything and new zealand were nine wickets down india needed one wicket to win and then the final pitch just held on and held on and the light was fading umpires were at the end of every over umpires were like looking at the light meter and making sure it's not completely faded and they're playing one more over and one more over and finally they did play all the uh, regulated overs uh but somehow new zealand held on new zealand came out of it much better than india i guess because this was a match india should have won and not the other way around yeah so remind me gotham typically how does india do when you're playing in the subcontinent right this is our strength this is in our backyard so this is uh, yeah, our time to shine Yeah India has a terrific record at home uh, especially in the in the Virat Kohli era it's been kind of crazy Ashwin has Ashwin and Jadeja have been like the linchpins as far as the bowling attack goes so both of them even in this game Akshar Patel was also playing even in this game they were going well but I think New Zealand is a formidable op- opposition and then you when you have the likes of Kane Williamson kind of holding fort you know it's it's kind of hard to penetrate through the defense uh, which is why I said you know New Zealand will take more points 
brownie points out of this than india did for sure when is the next test do you have an idea i am sorry so out of the cricket sink right now i, mean, I think it's like, starting right now on on the third it was it's scheduled to start on the 3rd of december um, as we are recording this there has been a delay Uh, with the toss because of rains i'm kind of looking forward to it because uh, it's been a lot of cricket in our lives i feel like because there was I, the ipl and the t20 world cup and immediately now new zealand literally flew from uh, the middle east to india to play test cricket so it's been uh, on overdrive but test cricket i'm all in i'm definitely going to watch whenever i can for sure i'm actually super excited cuz test cricket is a thing uh, me and my dad do pretty often like i saw the game last time i was in india during this time so we were at the tour of australia it's kind of a thing that we do we sit and we watch i'm as you may know uh, not the biggest of uh, fans of uh, cricket especially t20 cricket but uh, test oh yes uh, very interesting yeah so gotham after the first test we also want to look at the ipl retention list like players their prices it's almost like the stock market of cricket <laughs> like stocks going up down it's pretty interesting uh what do you think about it do you have any thoughts on that do you want so the ipl has a new for lack of a better word draft coming up where all of the players except for a few who are retained by individual franchises go into uh, go into the lottery or the 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 auction again so each team were given three players or four players rather that they could retain and remember all of these teams have a salary cap as well so they have all of the all of the team players and how much they buy for have to fall within a certain cap limit so each team were given four players that they could retain and also remember uh, next year we have two more ipl teams coming in so except for the retained players everybody else will go into the auction and then the highest bidder wins right so uh, it will be interesting to see what happens but you know the 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 players that each teams have retained are pretty obvious so dhoni and jadeja got re- retained for example uh, with the chennai super kings uh, andre russell got retained for the kolkata knight riders rohit sharma got retained bumrah got retained right kohli got retained for example but it will be interesting to see because there are still quite a few number of star players who did not get retained so the likes of kl rahul shreyas uh, shreyas ayer who i think is a captain simetil for any franchise rashid khan all of these guys did not get retained so it will be interesting to see once the auction I, happens and see what i happens. was i was so surprised to see that hyderabad sunrisers hyderabad have not retained rashid khan i mean he is like the only thing we had i don't know what these guys are thinking <laughs> so I think it has to do with uh, the price. They, they probably had to pick between Kane Williamson and Rashid Khan. I think they eventually ended up picking Kane Williamson because of what he brings to the table, not just his batting but his captaincy as well, right? Because Rashid Khan, I'm sure, costs upwards of 10 crores. Uh, Kane Williamson got retained for 14 crores, and I don't think they could afford to retain another player. Oh, for a similar amount, so it's it's it was one of those situations. It'll be interesting to see once the auction happens if they go all in with Rashid Khan. I don't know, but we'll see. I see. Well, it's good to know. Okay, I was like when I saw the list, I was uh, in mild words hurt. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at it, uh, Ravindra Jadeja got retained for 16 crores uh, for Chennai, and then Rishabh Pant also got retained for the Delhi Capitals for 16 crores. And I think uh, Rishabh Pant is being seen by uh, Ricky Ponting as captaincy material, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Rishabh Rishabh Pant, I think, is a very young guy, and I don't think he's captaincy material yet. But we'll see what happens. I wanted to sidetrack on that topic when you said that. Like, what are your thoughts? I I think I got your thoughts and I agree with your thoughts. But only time will tell us if you're wrong. 
Well, if if Ricky Ponting says he's going to groom him, I guess definitely it's worth a shot. Even with even with other captains, I think he's a really good player. But uh, we'll see what happens. I I for sure don't think he is captain's material yet. But uh, Akshar Patel got retained for nine crores for the Delhi Capitals, which I think is I don't know. It's 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 he's a good player, but I don't think he is a player worth retaining if you're a franchise. But he's been a really good T Twenty player. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, he's a left arm spinner and a below average batsman. So I don't think he they had to retain him for nine crores, but. you know every team has its own well laid plan so it's it's interesting i i i for sure don't agree with that decision to read an akshar patel what are your thoughts on varun chakravarty like yeah varun chakravarty has been really good see he i like because he's a leg spinner he's an he's an orthodox leg spinner and leg spinners do really well in t20 competition he's one of those skiddy he's like rashid khan Uh, he's one of those kiddy uh, leg spinners who can bow, he can bowl the googly he has all those variations he played for india in the t20 world cup didn't do that well but nobody did well in the world cup for india so <laughs> that's another thing but uh, i think varun chakravarty is a really good retention for kolkata night riders andre russell was retained for 12 crores he's had his fair share of injuries but then if he's fit he automatically walks into any t20 side so they were able to retain sunil narayan which is awesome i think for 6 crores for 6 crores i think he is a bargain he gets you so much not just with the ball he's probably the most economical bowler in the in ipl uh, right now uh, but then he also brings in that extra layer of batting he opens the batting he comes in at number 3 4 just hits the ball around makes i don't know makes 22 of 6 balls and gets out that's all you need pretty much from him so he's a great buy so with that being said let's move on to our next headline which is from the world of tennis and it's coming from down under in australia the australian open jokovic won't probably play because of covid regulations so gotham tell us more about this so it's kind of uh, i don't know if it's interesting or not but uh, australian open is starting uh, on the 17th of january so it's almost just over a month to go to for the australian open to start uh, the on the men's side of things the defending champion is novak djokovic he won the australian open in 2021 uh things have slightly changed from 2021 and 2022 because we've had the whole uh lockdown and shutdown and the pandemic and what not so no novak djokovic has not disclosed whether he is vaccinated or not uh we were just discussing this offline as well anikel australia is very very stringent and strict when it comes to their uh, covid regulations and they are going to allow players to play only if they are vaccinated if if novak djokovic is not ready to be ready to disclose whether he's vaccinated or not it appears that he's probably not going to play his dad came out on serbian show and said he's probably not going to play i mean his dad himself said that he doesn't know whether novak got vaccinated or not so that's a whole thing i'm pretty sh- but it, it in most likely it looks like he's not going to uh, play because i personally think he has not gotten vaccinated yet based on statements he's made previously and some of his actions and it's too late now i think to get the vaccine anyway because you have to take the first dose and the second dose after a few weeks unless he's taking the one shot thing which i doubt they are doing it in europe and it's what 30 40 days to go for the start of the tournament so i highly doubt if he is not vaccinated yet that he's going to play in the australian open yeah it's very interesting i'm not surprised i must put it uh, out there that uh, australia tennis australia has taken this stand because they like you said pretty strict right and we know folks who've been in australia and uh, they've shut down they've gone in lockdowns for like one case 
right yeah. so it, they are pretty stringent uh, along those lines and uncompromising and well they should be i guess whatever works for them but what's more interesting is uh, <laughs> i don't know this whole personal right on uh, vaccine whether you want to disclose or not it is a pers- what's your thought kadam because i have opinions it's your personal right but if your personal right infringes on someone else's personal right it's not personal anymore so i don't know and also you know if in a way it's a choice that we have to make right so you and i work uh, for various companies or for various institutions right and every institution every company has an established policy that every every employee is supposed to adhere to so again that's a choice that you have to make which is if you have to work for somebody you have to follow their policies if you if you don't follow their policies the company has a right to fire you or to dismiss you or you have a choice to just leave the company if you don't agree with their policies right so i see it like that um now australian open or the organizers of the australian open are the employees for novak djokovic if he plays in the tournament and if he plays in the grand slam and according to them if they say the our policy is that players get vaccinated before they can play that means they have to adhere to it which is why i think i mean if no if, if djokovic does not want to do disclose whether he's vaccinated or not fair play to him but then if the organizers of the australian open feel that he can't play because he's not disclosing whether he's vaccinated or not fair play to them as well so i don't think anybody is wrong or right in this situation i don't know how the australian open will be without djokovic because he is the defending champion but we'll we'll be fine uh, world does not end there so we'll move on i mean he he has enough chances to eclipse everybody so I, i'm not too worried about djokovic's legacy or anything like that but oh yeah but he's definitely it's, a quirky character i'll tell you that with that being said so there is formula 1 uh, coming up this weekend so it's going to be the first grand prix in the saudi arabia circuit which is a brand new street circuit and it's supposed to be one of the fastest street circuits in the world So they're expected to hit like 322 kilometers per hour on this street circuit. And uh, they're calling it high-speed Monaco. That's how they like to say it. Well, we'll only know after That's the race has happened. That's their marketing pitch. Yeah, exactly, right? So we only know what's, what the ground reality is after the first race has happened, whether it's a hit or a miss. But is it's interesting to... Is this going to be a day Grand Prix or a, day, uh, or a night Grand Prix? Do you know, Aniket? Saudi Arabia is indeed going to be the fifth full night race in Formula 1 calendar. Okay, it is. So, but yeah, so that's happening. Uh, so the title fight is pretty tight, Gotham. I'm, it's I'm, between I'm so Max. It's, yes, it's between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. And Lewis Hamilton seems to have his back against the wall. But Max Verstappen seems so abnormally cool. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's not normal that Max Verstappen is that cool. cool isn't he he's keeping his composure uh he's kind of in a way when he even i think it was not the previous grand prix in qatar but even before that i think it might have been in the uh in brazil when lewis hamilton won he was kind of giving him props and stuff so i was like okay he's he's, he's kind of uh, pivoting a little bit to keep an even mind to focus i think but now that we are in kind of the pointy end of the uh, of the championship i'm i'm really really looking forward to this because there's nothing better than a close finish in formula 1 at the end because we always see the fair share of one-sided championships every year right lewis hamilton all these years michael schumacher all those years uh, four straight for vettel uh, close championship races are hard to come by 
we saw hamilton and rosberg right that was probably the last closest one if i'm not wrong aniket and then that was what 6 years ago maybe it's been quite a while since we've seen a very close finish so i'm i'm really looking forward to this and yeah just to add to what you said gotham about max verstappen he's very sorted in his head cuz i think we spoke about this briefly earlier on the season 2 when he won his first two races you know there was no going crazy no ecstasy or nothing he he was very sorted about like okay this is a long year ahead cuz i think he he's been losing two years three years i think back to back in in one, i think three years back he was not even in like contention proper contention so i think he's been very clear like the celebration actually matters after the end of the year now in his head and uh, he seems to be at least moving in that direction so more power to him yeah, i think the only time he lost his mind was when they collided in uh, silverstone right that is the only time i remember where he kind of lost it but other than that he's been fairly composed for sure and uh, i just saw their pre match or pre race interviews and uh, both of them lewis hamilton he he says he's going back to his childhood days this reminds him of his childhood time you know where competitions high and he's enjoying it so is max max was stuff an uber cool like he he just he came out saying that i'm focusing only on the small things like how can i make this car better and uh, what i can do good i don't care about the big things if i win i win so well both are pretty sorted so very interesting to see how this race pans out yeah tunnel vision right he's he's doing one of those things if anybody can focus like that it's formula 1 drivers because that's what they do day in and day out right so i mean we'll see what happens but sir frank williams he died last week and i know aniket you kind of read up about him and you kind of know what his legacy is in the world of formula 1 so uh, he died at the age of 79 uh, last sunday uh, by the way we are recording this on the 3rd of december uh in the morning uh, india time anyway i know you read up a little bit on frank williams aniket so what was his legacy and what did he stand for yeah thanks for saying i read a little bit gotham <laughs> but <laughs> no pressure so uh, well it's it's uh, so i'm going to talk from what i i, I know about frank williams is just that i've been fo- uh, following formula 1 for some time so i know a little bit about him which is very interesting and i'm for sure we can do a deeper dive into his career cuz he actually started off his career as a driver and a mechanic so which is uh, pretty interesting and then he moved on to found williams uh, racing and it's been an insanely successful team i think they've had some of the craziest drivers uh, they have now they are on a kind of on a low cuz they had to the family had to sell the williams company uh, i think last year Uh, but they were doing pretty well uh, up to i think 2008 cuz they have like a legacy of drivers nico rosberg was one of them who came out from their academy valtteri bottas uh, was one of a williams driver so in fact i remember <laughs> when williams was in, at least when i was watching in the early 2000s uh, ralf schumacher and juan pablo montoya were the two williams drivers and they did really well they were uh, they were not championship material team but they were always in like second or third in the constructors Yeah and it's been a very interesting journey right so he was like i said a mechanic and then he i read somewhere and maybe i'm wrong but he also worked as a grocery salesman traveling grocery salesman so it was uh, it's a very interesting and then he built this giant formula 1 uh, car uh, I, I so they're constructors right so they're a team they build their own cars so he was a mechanic so if you think about the technology that actually goes behind a formula 1 car 
you've got to be crazy passionate to do things like this in the 21st century at least if you think about some passionate guy going and starting his own company it just seems so insane right now but uh, frank williams did it back in like i i believe 1969 or 66 so it, it's a very interesting story and we should maybe do a deeper dive into just the williams uh, racing team's journey because that pre- precisely is what frank uh, williams uh, trajectory i guess Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh it's kind of sad that well, in a way it was coming right. You uh, you can find you can you can uh, start a company with all your passion, run it and then somebody else takes over and slowly takes a downturn. And it's inevitable that once it slowly especially in the world of Formula 1 is where it's such ruthless competition, you're just left on the wayside if you're not keeping up. And once that happens, it it was kind of inevitable that they were going to get bought over. So, they were they were just in a mess. I think was it season two of drive to survive where they show how what really the struggles were at the in the williams paddock um yeah. so yeah i mean kind of bittersweet but at the end of the day frank williams i think as you said was a pioneer in his field um, uh, we saw uh, tributes pouring in from across all the drivers current and and past um, kind of praying tributes to frank williams so uh, yeah, yeah definitely check him out if you can for sure and it was the the williams family right so his daughter claire was the one who was recently uh, running the uh, show at uh, what do you call williams right sorry <laughs> my mind is tripping there but uh, yeah at williams and before they actually sold out so as a family i think they exited the williams company so with that being said yeah maybe let's do a deeper dive on this i find this very interesting gotham i don't know if you are but we can definitely put it on our bucket list and come down this road someday yeah i mean our our keep uh, our list keeps growing but i think we should <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's a, the to do list right it just keeps increasing and you were hardly striking things off so yeah but well so but yeah so just to summarize that part of the formula 1 discussion it's a uh, tragedy but the world moves on because you build such a legacy i think i think in a lot of ways i see this as uh, the impact you want to leave in the world right is you have i don't know at least how about how you think about it but i think is you impact at least one person's life more apart from your family right so it's not only you and your family but just impacting another one person's life and yeah. especially when you when you when you impact like thousands of people like this it's it's a pretty inspiring life in my in my head yeah and i think uh, just on a just to kind of take that point pursuing your passions is something that at which carries a lot of risk is something that i really admire about people that's something that i have not been able to do in my life where i have a certain passion and then them actively pursuing it at the cost of everything else is something that i don't have it i envy other people who do it because uh, i certainly don't we should do a deeper dive on this gotham <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we right. should definitely do deeper this is a topic i'm superly uh, passionate about is <laughs> like discovering your passion what is passion but no so i think you're selling yourself extremely short there uh, as you always are super self critical but uh, i think uh, it's here a good place following i think this podcast to be honest was started by you it was your initiative that brought us all together so i think in some ways you're doing it you just don't uh, yeah register uh, it that is true that is no I, that's true but i i'm i'm talking about having a passion and pursuing it full time right uh, which sir francis owen garbett williams cbe definitely did for sure and i would like to add a word to 
your statement. You said I have not been able to pursue it yet, right? right so right. it's not over. It's it's never over until it's actually over. So we we will get to that. Now let's move on to uh, football, uh, which is the it's the busy time of the year uh, for football for so uh, right Premier now. League especially because yeah. suddenly you're playing on Tuesdays, you're playing on Thursdays, and then like I'm tired just by watching. I don't know how the players are playing these nine uh, these ninety minute games. It's like it's just insane. It's a toll on their. You Dude, just, December December is insane in the Premier League. I don't get why they. stack so much in december while you know you see all these la liga and other leagues having going on a winter break right but yeah. premier league just packs it i guess it's all about the money it's holiday season so there are a lot of eyeballs but i mean they play during the week uh, it's so hard to keep up when you're on your normal routine anyway now me with my jet lag and different time zones is even more crazy i don't know which game is happening when it's hard to keep up You just told me that uh, Man United played Arsenal last uh, last night, and they won three two. I had no clue that they were playing last night, <laughs> so it's been crazy. Uh, but speaking of Man United, they have uh, they have a new coach, uh, Aniket. Yep, they do. Ralph Ragnick. He's an interim coach, right? So he's coming in for I think the next six months. Uh, that's left. Just to give context to even to the listeners, uh, you know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who was the head coach for Manchester United, has been uh, let go after his defeat to Watford. I think it yeah. seemed very comfortable. Things were very comfortable, even though they got hammered by Liverpool and they were on a downward trajectory with Manchester City. I think something about this Watford defeat just. <laughs> Uh, changed things and uh, it seemed a little uh, hasty a decision to take or maybe there was just so much pressure on the board on top to do something about it but after the Watford loss he was uh, let go and uh, who's the current uh, Michael Carrick Michael Carrick yeah so Michael Carrick is the interim coach who was his number 2 he was actually the number 2 even for the previous coach right so he's been there for a while and he's going to be the interim manager until Ralph Ranick takes over who will be 6 months as a coach and then apparently has a 2 year contract to be a part of the club's i think higher organizational structure so he's a very very interesting character and i think it's interesting times for man united it seems like they're looking slightly ahead of the next game with this appointment like you know it's not about okay let's wrap the season up but having ralph ragnick on your uh, organization he's built uh, tons of clubs he's taken like clubs i think like hanover and leipzig from league 3 to the bundesliga and i think league 4 for leipzig to champions league semi final so he's he's done this on many scales he has his footballing philosophy that he believes in uh, which is heavy pressing after losing position that liverpool just excels in right now i mean i mean if there's one thing that you need man united to do right now is to put in some effort and nothing better uh, i guess no one better to do it than ralf ranick who can who's the pioneer of uh, relentless pressure and effort we'll see what happens as far as long term goals go i'm not really s- sold uh, we'll see what uh, ralf can do if if anything he's a culture setter that that man united desperately needs right now for sure and just to because you said this i was listening to one of ralph uh, ranick's uh, interview and what a character so he says I mean, come on what is a little bit of pressing a little bit of pressing is like a little bit of pregnant <laughs> i mean either you are pregnant or not either you want to play pressing or not 
but not please not a little bit of pressing so <laughs> he is just such an interesting character i i found that uh, very amusing today so that made me chuckle with that being said uh, you spoke about liverpool so let's go to the merseyside derby were you able to follow what happened i know i have not watched anything at all so i know okay. the liverpool won but i have no understanding no idea what happened i'm actually afraid of that team right now the way i mean again i couldn't find better words to describe it than heavy metal football it's like these guys are just pouncing on you with the ball and they they scored four goals against everton at everton's home and uh, out of the four goals i think three were pretty brilliant goals and it was it was a complete um, you know fun time in the park for liverpool and exactly opposite for everton uh so is rafa who, in uh, danger so i don't know if he's in danger he's gone eight games without a win yeah uh he's also after i think after 18 something 1860 or 1880 is the first manager to be managing both sides of the derby so as you know is the next liverpool manager yeah but uh i i was curious to ask you this i have never been able to figure out do you know what is rafa's game style like oh so uh uh michael cox in his book the mixer talks about uh, rafa's tactics right so he plays very compact football in other words the usually with the way he plays is the he has a rectangle in the field where the the top line is the uh, is the front line and the back line is the deep defensive line and they move as they move back and forth so if the if the front three let's say there is a front three the front three move the back three also move in conjunction if the front three move back the back three also move back in conjunction so he plays uh, all his team plays in this small rectangle of a fixed length um, so that way it's very compact but the problem is once you go over the top or once you have a through ball you're just through um, but that's his style which i think makes for small intricate passes and then playing over the top uh, becomes easy if you're playing against rafa so that's that's his tactic i think and he kind of he's one of those guys i think who sticks to his tactics and doesn't really budge but you know that's his philosophy moving on from premier league we should talk about the whole uh, ballon d'or business and messi winning it again so messi has won his seventh ballon d'or uh, which which is usually goes to the footballer who was supposed to be the best over the previous season so this year messi won it is his seventh uh, he has the highest number of ballon d'ors followed by ronaldo i think who has five and i think he in his in his uh, comments after he won the award he said uh, in reference to robert lewandowski he said you deserve your ballon d'or last year everyone agreed that you were the winner i think france football should give you your ballon d'or and have it as you deserved it so here's the whole thing uh, the ballon d'or is given by a french magazine i believe france football is the name of the magazine who presents the ballon d'or somehow it's one of those it's like the nobel where somehow a private institution's award has gained in popularity because of marketing and because of all of this other stuff or because they were the first early movers that's kind of gained popularity and over the years initially it was supposed to it was given to the best european footballer and then i think 95 96 or some out there about it kind of expanded to include world football and you know messi and ronaldo have been running away with it over the last few years but uh, this year it went to messi but last year uh, it was fairly unanimous that robert lewandowski was supposed to get this award but they totally cancelled the award i don't know why because football happened but apparently in their mind because of covid they were they just cancelled giving away the award which was supposed to go 
for Robert Lewandowski. So, anyway, what are your thoughts on that? I think even Messi Ronaldo don't take this award very seriously anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm being farcical or sarcastic, but I mean, it 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 started with a great intention like all the things that start but now it's i think it's riddled down even though i'm a messy fan riddled down with politics and stuff like that like i seriously don't know if messi should have got it this year i mean i'm not saying he shouldn't have i just don't know if he was the one who deserved it and again robert lewandowski if you uh, think about it i mean what if you played half a season you can give half you can give an award for that half that you played i mean i don't see a, right. a point in doing that if you made them play you give them the award they played But the whole season last year even during covid even though there was no football for two or three months they all of the leagues finished their seasons out right yeah so Except so that's what that's yeah. that's what bothers me so Uh, and what's interesting is you see also look at the top 10 picks right like for forwards they have like for forwards wingers and stuff Uh, it's i feel at this point it's uh, it's more than just performing like the criteria changes every year like you've got to win something with the national team if you don't win anything you got to win the champions league if you're not won the champions league you got to have some major trophy style plays into it also by the way yeah well it's very debatable technically jorginho should have got it uh, <laughs> on paper it should have been his he's he's had the greatest season a footballer can imagine i believe uh So But like everything yeah. else Anike there's a lot of politics involved there's a lot of gaining favors and all of that stuff remember when Messi won that uh, uh, golden boot award in 24 in the FIFA 2014 World Cup when um, who won it that year was it no it was Germany won it that year in Brazil right uh, Argentina made it to the final they lost uh, and Messi won the best player of the tournament award even though he was not really the best player of the tournament Uh, in in the 2014 consolation prize consolation prize also right. remember uh, it's adidas golden boot or uh, so there is that playing into it as well messi is the brand ambassador for adidas also so there's all of these things going on man football is a very murky business i'm i'm not really sold on any of these things call me skeptical but well i mean uh, like uh, i started with i don't think messi ronaldo themselves take this trophy very seriously anymore like it's been 12 years uh, sweep just between both of them like nobody ever i think yeah. so many deserving people in the middle have, have lost it or not got it uh, because yeah. uh, of ronaldo and messi and and to be very honest they've not always been the most brilliant that particular year when they've got it so they've been right. a couple of this not the first time they've been couple of these sketchy Uh, yeah, but it's it's more like a, a balancing act. I remember Cannavaro won it uh, when Italy won that World Cup. I remember that thing he did, so that was kind of nice. But yeah, other than that, it's been a Messi and Ronaldo show. Let's also talk about the couple of honors team Barcelona got. <laughs> the far few between we are picking nowadays. So Pedri <laughs> was like the best under twenty one player. Well, not surprised. And we also won the women's Ballon d'Or, by the way. So Alexia Alex Putellas. That's correct. So she was. Uh, I think she was given the trophy, but I don't want to say this. Maybe because I'm wrong. Because I, I when I saw it, it was Mbappe who handed her trophy to her. So okay. he called her name. But uh, we can check on that again. And I think yeah. So she was the woman footballer of the year. Yeah. Which is pretty good. And I think goalkeeper was Gianluigi Donnarumma. Are you surprised, Kotham? No, I'm not. He's 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 still 22. I think, dude. It's it's insane that he's so good already. He's when he started his career, he was AC Milan like seventeen or eighteen or something yeah. like that. I remember, 
<laughs> when he started his career with AC Milan so it's like oh my god it already seems like he's in uh, what do you call 22 would be a starting year right i think drogba blossomed around like started yeah. getting into the first team 23 24 they called him a late bloomer and this dude is like the most experienced player in their team at 22 so and is and is still not in his uh, prime you know prime, he's 22 yeah. is not his prime uh, peak athletic age for a goalkeeper anyway so yeah for sure yeah and uh, yeah that is what we have from the awards uh, ceremony that went on in the But, footballing world yeah we we somehow uh, anika i think we somehow got through this episode uh, we we were little hesitant <laughs> we were little hesitant doing this by the way i think uh, with that gotham we should first tell our listeners to support independent media yes. guys pay to keep news free cuz democracy is in your hands and uh, it's a big responsibility so distribute it and contribute to it that's how i would say so pay to keep news free watch news laundry's other shows there is nl hafta there is charcha there is the new sense that's going on i found meghnad's sansad watch very very interesting that is pretty good where yeah it's it's a superb show where you're uh, keeping a watch on the parliament and what's happening so i find that really interesting so guys do that watch more of the parliament because as meghna says only if you watch it you'll be able to hold it accountable so yeah. uh I mean nothing more to add other than to say that go to newstory.com hit that subscribe button if you do want to write to us please there is a, a link dedicated link that we have uh, we are, which we are going to put in the show notes so please go uh, if you want to write to us please write to us uh, on that link um but yes as as, as aniket said go click on that subscribe button please please pay to keep news free uh, aniket do you have any recommendations before we leave Uh, yes i had uh, two recommendations one was uh, from the athletic and it's about how this chain the decline of the chinese super league i thought it was uh, a pretty fascinating article plus i think they have a video version of that uh, interview with the person who wrote the article so we can uh, plug that in and the other was it is non sport related but nevertheless interesting i have read this book called the third door it's by alex banian and uh, it's a very interesting uh, book it's about the third door gotham <laughs> which basically refers to the aspect of not taking the traditional path so he yeah. talks about how you can enter a pub the simplest example is enter a pub through the main entrance that is stand up in a line wait for the bouncer to let you in or you have the second door which is the vip entrance you know you find a celeb friend of yours and walk in and the third door is where you basically go from a window inside run into the kitchen run through the traffic avoid the chefs and then go in and get your uh, way into the pub you know by hook or crook and he talks about how his life uh, uh, how you can use this in life and how his life was made by exploiting the third door so it's a very interesting book i thought it's a light read so that's my recommendation I just have one recommendation it's a book that actually uh, we, uh, Amit Verma alluded to when he, we were doing a podcast with him and it, it, this keeps coming up on the list of my recommendations as well it's something that I haven't I have not read yet so I'm going to definitely pick it up it is a book called War minus the Shooting Journey through South Asia during Cricket's World Cup in 1996 by uh, Mike Marquez so I'm just going to read 
a couple of uh, lines on Amazon about the book. The book delves into the dilemmas that dog modern cricket, ball tampering, biased umpires, media moguls, sponsors, race and national identity, gambling syndicates and much more. So it's it's not just a book that covers the 96 World Cup, but it just goes beyond that as well and kind of lays the cultural, political, national context in the subcontinent when that tournament was happening in 96. So do check that book out and get your hands hands to it if you can. The name of the podcast is called 81 All Out, which is a really good cricket podcast. If you want to check it out, please do check that out as well. Uh, but yeah, that's, the, that's my recommendation for today. All right, then we'll take your leave. Stay safe, everyone. Take care. Stay safe and uh, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.